Amen. 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 Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. You've made it for us to rejoice and be glad in. We thank you, Father, for rejoicing, gladness, health, healing, wholeness, soundness in every part of our being. I thank you, Lord, that we have your peace. That means that we are whole, every whit whole in every area of life, nothing missing, nothing broken. So we thank you, Lord, for wholeness and soundness in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Today we're going to talk about the fact that the Lord promised none of these diseases. Amen. That he put on the Egyptians or on sinners will he put on his people. Now, people kind of quibble over whether he puts disease on us. He doesn't put. I know one thing. He can take it off. See, we quibble about the wrong thing. You know, the Bible told, Jesus told the Pharisees, you strain at a net and swallow a camel. Strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. It's easy to do. Uh, because, you know, the human mind is, is very funny. Uh, your carnal mind wants to understand your spirit mind really pretty much already understands. He's just looking to get an opportunity to speak to you. You understand what I'm saying? That there are times when, you know, sometimes when we get revelation from God, you know, you get that quickening in your spirit. Something really speaks to your heart. Really, the knowledge of that, if you consider that the Holy Spirit lives in you, the knowledge of that thing is already inside of you by the Holy Spirit. What's happening is you're getting validated. The Holy Spirit's punching you in your side and say, hey, listen, that, that's what I've been trying to tell you all along. You understand? And so when we start, we get that quickening of our spirit and that enlightenment, that knowledge is there in some form already by the mind of Christ and the mind of God, we just become alive to it. We become, we get wakened up to that knowledge, which means that there's a lot of stuff in us already that we're not aware of because we're not paying attention or we're not seeking to have it brought up to our consciousness so that we can know and understand exactly what God's saying. You know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits. So whenever a bit of information comes to you that is of God, he will give you a a nod on the inside or give you a check mark or something like that. And there are times when there are uh, revelations that are new that come to us and the Holy Spirit is, is really saying, when you get quickened, what he's saying to you, don't let this pass by you. Now, this is important. Pay attention to this. And so that's pretty much how the things of the Spirit operate within us. Uh, you know, people say they'll make the mistake of saying when they get a, a prophecy, it's just a confirmation. No, what it is, is that you have been given a witness in your spirit that that's God. It's not something you consciously knew already. You're, he's bringing it to your awareness. So don't ever, see, this is where the enemy robs us because we'll think, well, it's just a confirmation because we're always snooping around looking for something new and we haven't really assembled the old together to really make sense so that we can get benefit out of it. This is true. 
And so we, we, we have the right idea, but we say the wrong thing or we interpret it incorrectly because we're not sure how this thing works. You got me? How information, knowledge, revelation, all those things, we're not certain how it works. But the end result is you need to put it to work for you. So the issue with getting a prophecy is not whether it's old or new or you knew it already. It's how are you going to put it to work for you? Because, see, we can quibble about whether or not we knew it already. It's just confirmation. It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. But are you making it work for you? And so that's what God wants to do. Many times he'll people go up and get another prophecy that says pretty much the same thing. And then they're upset because they well, this ain't a fortune telling exercise. And be thankful God is repeating it to you. Because what he's telling you is this, this is me, this is me, this is really me. And you need to do something with it. Amen. You need to do something to put that word into effect in your life so that it can bless you and it can help you. So it's not about whether we heard it before or not. You're going to hear it many, many times. You need to be meditating on it and telling it to yourself so that it helps you. Amen. And so we, we just need to be aware that, that it's important what we do with what we know. It's not so important to me, but this is just me. Some people, God don't have no sickness to give you. Okay, fine. You understand what I'm saying? But are you well or are you sick? You know, I mean, where did it come from? We don't know. The chicken or the egg. All I know is got a grip on you and you up here at the altar. But I do know this. God is a merciful God. And if he put it on you, he can take it off. If that's true, explain Hezekiah to me. Hezekiah didn't lay up there and say, God don't have no sickness to give me. When the prophet told him he was going to die, he said, and turned his face to the wall and went to praying and begging and screaming. God said, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. That brother was stretched out. Huh? But God healed him. In the end, the, the overriding question is, are you healed? No matter where it came from, are you healed? Amen? Cause see, we can go down the side road. And quibble and wonder and think and try to find some scriptures and all that kind of good stuff. But in the end, are you healed? And do you believe God heals? And can you minister healing to somebody else? And people sitting up here quibbling while they could be helping somebody else if they just get the answer to the question. So God is here to answer the question. And he says, none of these diseases. Amen. Not one. Well, see, they told me this was, well, see, they don't know what they talking about. We telling you something else. We telling you what the word of God says. Amen. God says, none of the diseases. What do you think salvation is all about? Is it about just, uh, you know, having a one-time confession and living like you used to live? You know, there are certain things we shouldn't even consider because it's a waste of time answering a bunch of foolish questions.
you know, things that don't really amount to anything. Paul warned the early church about endless genealogies and who came first and uh, it's uh uh Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh and 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 then the twelve and Abraham and, and they, uh, but no he came first. What what difference does it make? Not putting bread on your table. That's not healing your body. So God wants us to live in the now of where our need is so that we can know that he is there to meet our need. And uh, see, when, when Jesus would go to people, when he was preaching, the Pharisees were over arguing about who came first. Said, well, does God have disease? Well, can man forgive sins? And people were dropping dead and being sick all over the synagogue and they didn't take care of them. Jesus came in and said, only believe, and he took care of people. Which would you rather have over your life? Somebody who's going to take care of you or somebody who's going to argue about endless genealogies? So Exodus chapter 15, we shall go there. Yeah, you know, you gotta clear the atmosphere out sometimes. You know, it's all, people are, you know, saying all kind of crazy things out there and, you know, some people just need to go sit in their corner and get their Bible and don't crawl out until they get something, you know? My goodness. Alright, so Exodus chapter 15. Now, uh, there is a scripture, I forget which one, in the Psalms, it's, uh, I think it's Psalm 107, one of those. It says, he brought them out with silver and gold and was not one feeble person among their tribe. So follow Psalm one hundred five, like I said, one hundred five. What's the rest of it, Nola? One hundred five. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. One hundred five. <laughs> yeah, okay. He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person. God will not make you choose one over the other. He won't have you choose health or wealth. See, the devil does that. Why would a God who who gave his son's life to help you just give you one or the other? And see, many times people do this to themselves. I remember praying. We were in a church when we first got started in the ministry. And uh, I... I was uh, ordained there and, and part of the ministry team and I uh, was going to pray for someone and, and I asked her, I said, well, what do you need prayer for? Oh, my finances. And I, and she was on a cane. I said, well, can I pray for your healing? Not right now. <laughs> See, people do that to themselves. Uh-huh. We do that to ourselves. We're always shortchanging God's covenant to that where it doesn't cover everything. It just covers certain things. And if we had to make a choice, we'd rather have this over that. You don't have to make a choice. You can get everything God has for you. He never intended. Covenant covers everything. We got 66 books of nothing but God's goodness to us to draw from. And it covers any need that you would ever have in life. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 15, we see Israel has come out of Egypt. 
everybody, when they looked back and saw the Red Sea close back up and Pharaoh's horsemen and chariots drown, even the chosen of his captains drown, the, there was nobody left. The, the Bible says that, uh, there, it's amazing, the children of Israel were walking just, you know, maybe a few hours ahead of them, if that much. Because as they walked, the chariots rode. But then it says that the chariot wheels got mired down in mud. So either Israel, it as they've put their feet down, it dried up. And as they picked their feet up, it got wet again. <laughs> <laughs> now that's not the first time God made his people step into in the rushing water. Remember it, it was uh in the book of Joshua when they stepped into the Jordan? That water, it was water down there. So it's like this. This is where I look at the way God teaches his people. When they did the Red Sea, they were baby believers. They're just coming out of Egypt carnal, screaming, don't want to leave home. Why do we have to get up at this time of night? Why we had to leave like this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And so God had to convince them that they would not die if they passed through the Red Sea. So he caused the water, the walls of water to stand up. Some accounts say overnight. So they could see that that water would hold and they could see the other side and they feel like, well, you know, if we got to go, we got to go. Something's pushing us from this side. We got to pass through. So they were babied and convinced that they wouldn't die if they obeyed God. When God makes you a warrior, he puts you in a little bit of danger. And by faith, If you take the first step, everything opens up before you, and then you see God makes a clearing for you. See? So at every juncture, the people had to face a greater resistance against them getting what they needed. That's why many times we can't get like, you know, like Tony saw, remember when you had nothing, you got so excited, God finally gave you something, you know, he answered your prayer. Well, that was the easy day. Amen? Nowadays, we might have to struggle for some time to get to the point where God will release certain things to us because he's requiring more of his people. He's requiring more faith. He's requiring more more diligence and holding on to the word. All that kind of stuff is is it's it changes with each situation. But if you think about it. The chariot wheels of the Egyptians who were right behind Israel got stuck in the mud, but it says the children of Israel pimped on over like on dry ground. Huh? So either it dried up as they stepped and then got wet again. <laughs> what what works for you won't work for the enemy. That's why God has you pray for people. That's where he tells you to love your enemies and pray for them who would hurt you and despitefully use you. Because what they're trying to work won't work for what works for you ain't going to work for them. 
Job 30 says that, that God will take the prayers of the righteous and it will cause those who are unholy to be blessed because of your righteousness. See, people ain't getting nothing because they deserve it. You too. Or me too. You understand what I'm saying? We just have a covenant with God that gives us a, a measure of righteousness enough to get these prayers answered and work that he wants us to get done. You understand what I'm saying? But we got to live right just like the next person. So Israel now has gone a few days into the wilderness. You know, this is this is really like a desert more. It's not wilderness like we think maybe in your mind it might be trees or you know it's kind of a desolate land because there's not much much vegetation there's not much no inhabitants that kind of stuff it's just an area you pass through until you find a pleasant place where you want to settle down and, and you want to start building so you can live so on the way to passing through everybody gets thirsty now this is kind of an interesting situation. You could take this a couple of ways. It says here uh, uh, in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. So apparently, uh, it, now if they were smart, somebody had some containers of water, somebody had some, uh, you know, they would, take skins, goat skins and, and animal skins and make canteens out of them, fill them up with water. And they, that apparently had run out. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What are we going to drink? And he cried unto the Lord, And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And he said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, will do that which is right in your sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all these statutes I'll put no diseases upon you that I brought upon the Egyptians. I'm the Lord that heals you. Now, what is he saying here? In Mark 11, uh, 16, 17, and 18, it says if we eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. So that's like a New Testament repetition of this right here. In the New Testament, it says you can eat it and it won't hurt you. But Israel got there and it was bitter and they refused to drink it. Oh, Pastor Barb, it's too early for you to be doing this like this to us. Oh, just something to think about. But let me tell you this. What made the water bitter?
it says here, when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters because they were bitter and the people murmured. So what makes your life bitter? Murmuring. I believe somebody could have quit murmuring and prayed. God, this is all we got. Don't let it kill me. But then you'd have to think God means you well. You'd have to believe God didn't drag you all the way out there to kill you. You'd have to, you'd have to believe good things about God in order to be able to say good things and live supernaturally. Huh? Now, Moses took a, Moses interceded. God told him to take a branch and throw it in. We all know that Jesus is referred to in the Old Testament as the branch, offspring of the root of Jesse. Amen. So that in that branch, they say, symbolizes the cross and the tree and he would die on a tree for them and so forth and so on. So there's symbolism there. But there's also several ways to skin a cat other than give it cream. You got me? See, murmuring and complaining and get somebody to pray for you will work for a season. But after a while, God wants you to move on to to verse whatever it is. Because <laughs> when you get the remedy, you also get the prevention measure in there. So it says here, um, the people murmured against Moses and said, what are we going to drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance, and he proved them. In other words, it was a test for them to see if they would continue to obey God, believe him, obey all of his commandments, and live in the promise of no disease. Or are they going to get upset, get angry, complain, and murmur? And as long as they murmured and complained, I just would like to see sometime in this this scenario, somebody said, why don't we shut up and quit murmuring and see if God will turn this water sweet for us? Because he turned it sweet for them anyway. But see, people never stop to figure out the root of things so that they can stop the, the, the disease in their life or stop the, the bad return in their life or stop the bad happening in their lives. But it's totally appropriate to try and understand because God's telling them, you got to obey my word and you won't get sick. That's exactly what he's saying here. Why would he tell them that here? Because they're not being obedient. Okay, well, somebody don't believe me. We just walking around behind Moses. We doing what we supposed to do. Well, see, it ain't my fault. Because, see, when I was in, I wasn't arguing against Moses. I was really just saying. I was just saying. Huh? What God is saying here, keep the bitterness out of you and everything you eat will be fresh. 
you leave the bitterness in you and everything you partake of will be bitter. Well, you determine if your food is fresh or not. I got stories to tell y'all would curl your hair, but you get so scared of me, I I guess you know I'm going to keep them to myself. (laughs) Huh? But I believe that everything that I bring in my house has supernatural life on it. You know, I, them little little Snoopy nieces of mine, grand nieces, they were a lot of fun till they learned how to read. And the first thing they did when they started reading was snooping through my refrigerator, finding dates on stuff. Oh, Baba, you got to throw this out. It's old. I said, "Who says?" I said, "Oh, you done learned how to read. Now you got some little. You smarter than Baba." And I said, watch me. And they watched milk stay in there for a month and a half and it never stank. Uh-huh. Long as a super nest. Now, now watch. Somebody go say, I wonder if she cooked and gave us some of that stuff. No, I didn't cook for y'all with that. Unless God told me to. <laughs> I get the reputation in my family using old stuff. Everything I use is old. Old. Yeah, it's old, but it ain't rotten. I never get sick. I don't have no upset stomach. I don't have diarrhea. I don't have nothing. Praise God. He keeps me healthy and well. Huh? But I believe a supernatural life on everything that I bring in my home. You understand me? That's for sinners. Reading dates and labels is for sinners, folks. Now, I'll have stuff that go bad ahead of time, but I'm, I'm thinking it's been working before I picked it up. You know how you can go in the store and something is sat on a shelf and then they throw it in the cooler real quick? But in the main, there's supernatural life on it. Why? Because faith will make it so. I use my faith for everything. You understand what I'm saying? I don't throw nothing away until I'm sure it needs to be thrown away. I ain't going to tell y'all about the three-year-old whipped cream either. That would curdle your skin. See, I'm not scared of anything. Huh? See, you got to be like, you either going to believe God's word or you're not going to believe his word. And I'm not tempting God. I'm using my faith because you know what's going to help me? At the end of the day, I need to know what my faith can do. If my faith can keep whipped cream alive for three years, praise God. Huh? It'll put long life on me. You understand what I'm saying? You can be scared if you want to. But me, myself, I ain't scared of nothing. (laughs) I just survived too many things. (laughs) You understand me? You know, God, what, what do I care? If, if Kill the body. I'm going to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? I don't live in fear of every... That's why I don't care about this thing ain't got me and I ain't got it. And I mean that. It can't get me. Boom, 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 boom. Get the hedge around. Boom, 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 boom. Huh? 
the trap door. Okay, so the devil want to sneak in. You just open the trap and he falls right in there. Can't get you, can't get you. Huh? You gotta live a bulletproof life. Huh? All these crazy things that go on, you know, you look and see all these people don't even make it home from the, the grocery store for work or something like that. No, I'll make, I'll make it home. In the name of Jesus. And you have a covenant with God that, that assures that I, he's going to satisfy me with long life. Not long sick life, but long life. Amen. And a car that lasted 24 years. Same motor. You understand what I'm saying? You know, it's these things that move me. People say stuff like, don't you want a new car? I said, listen, my new car days are over. I did that when I was a sinner. Them people that made enough money off me with this new car. Huh? <laughs> so he proved them. What did he do? He said, I did this to test you. He said, I did this to test you to see what y'all was going to do. And you did the same old thing you did when you was in Egypt. Murmur, complain. Nobody thanked me for getting them through. I mean, they did their little dance when they got across the Red Sea. But that didn't last for long. It's like people that come in church and want to dance and shout. They like to praise, praise service. But when it comes to paying attention to the word, they, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta go home. I, Somebody, I left my kids with somebody. Can't stay. Huh? And it's a word that's going to help you. So that's what God was doing, transitioning them from the praise service to where they got to use the word now. Because as soon as the praise service is over, they forget who they are. They forgot mighty fast. Huh? We used to sing that song, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. That was Miriam's song. She out banging the tambourine, got all her girls out, got her crew out. Huh? Her fly girls. Huh? (laughs) Got a little crew going for it, you know? Next thing you know, she's sitting outside the camp with leprosy. Backbiting her brother. You understand? It wears off real fast, folks. You understand? So God tests them to see how long is this praise service atmosphere going to last for y'all. So he says there that he proved them and he said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, Do that which is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments. Keep all of his rules. I'll put none of the diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians from the Lord that heals you. So they begin to understand why they run into bitter water. That water could have been sweet. Because I'm sure they were expecting it to be. 
See, just because you're expecting something that doesn't come through, you don't have to fall out with God and everybody. And God's servants. Huh? You really don't. That's why church seats are empty. People that got upset about something. They was believing for something they thought. Well, if you believe then, you should be believing now if you trust in God for it. What happened? Now they got mad at everybody because they didn't get what they thought they were supposed to get as fast as they were supposed to get it. So now they quit. And see, God is constantly testing us on this principle right here. He said it's a statute and an ordinance, which means that I've spoken it. It won't change. You got to obey me to stay disease free. See, when people say none of these diseases, I take that personally. I take that for me. And I tell people, I said, I can't get disease because I believe this word. Now, I don't know what you believe in, but you can believe it too. You understand what I'm saying? And see, when I, when I, when, when, when they put a diagnosis or I have symptoms and I say I'm healed, it's because I'm believing this. Huh? And I'm believing Isaiah 53. See, none of the diseases. Huh? Oh, what does that mean, Barb? That means, let me go to Isaiah 53 because I think that's, Oh, it's coming up next. Well, that's good. He he took our place in disease, okay? Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And we shall, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We hid our faces from him. We esteemed him not. But this is why he did it. Surely means means under an oath. When I tell you this, I'm taking an oath that this is true. He did that for us. He bore our sins, our pains, our griefs, carried our sorrows. He bore them and carried them. He bore them and carried them. He bore them and carried them. See, whatever punishment you had coming to you as a sinner has been born. That means he put it, he put it upon himself and it's been carried. Why'd they put carried in there? Oh, that put a whole different light on things, kingfish. Ah, why did they put that in there? Born and carried. Where did he carry it to? Remember under the old covenant, the high priest would make atonement for the sins of the people for the year. 
there were two goats. One was slain, huh? As an atonement. Amen. Or not really atonement. It was a covering. It's different. Because it wasn't the right kind of blood for atonement, alright? So it, it was a, a, a yearly thing. Had to be renewed every year. Amen. It's like your driver's license. You have a license to live year by year with God. So that was the one animal. So the blood was shed. It was put over the mercy seat. And the priest had another animal that he would put his hands, he would lay hands on that animal's head or his soul. And he would speak the sins of the people of Israel into the soul of that animal. And he was left alive and released to go out into the wilderness. Amen. He was called the scapegoat. What do we, what do we use that term for now? We scapegoat. If we use someone's a scapegoat, it's a person we blame for everything. How many moms we got in here? You got me? Dads too. You become the scapegoat for your bratty kids. When they want to blame their bad behavior on some, it's because you didn't hug them enough. No, you hugged them too much, should have whooped them more. This is my boat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but see, until you get your sins atoned for, you need a scapegoat. You see it in the garden when man sinned. You brought me that woman and she was the one that made me do that. Well, it was the serpent. He beguiled me. and So they all scapegoated. Boom, boom, boom. Just blame bouncing from one person to the next to the next. People will will get saved and and get a, a understanding of forgiveness, and then they hit a hard place where they still got anger and bitterness, and they'll go back to blaming instead of working with the atonement until you get it to work right for you. Well, you just go back to, you know, you, you find any kind of person that come up to you and say, well, what's wrong? Oh, yeah, I know how that is, girl. You know, I had that same thing. I didn't have this when I was growing up. I didn't have that when I was growing up, you know. You can get free of it, then the devil will bring it back to you. Just because he wants you to get involved in nonsense again. So scapegoating is very convenient. Amen. But that that animal would be loosed into the wilderness. And it is said that as long as you lived a normal life among your community as an Israelite, you were fine. But if you ever got lost in the wilderness, you start looking for your, your sins again. Looking for that goat that took them. You know. See, now listen, as long as you stay with God, you understand what I'm saying? Go to church. Stay with his people. Pray your prayers like you're supposed to be. You stay free of the condemnation of your own sin. Because as a body, we have the power to liberate one another from condemnation, from, from you know, all of that kind of stuff, living in the past, letting your past creep back up on you again. As long as you live in the right atmosphere, you'll stay guilt-free and have a purged conscience. But you go out on your own somewhere. You leave your church. You leave, get mad at folks. You hear me people on the internet? All y'all are sitting out there because you refuse to forgive and go to church. You need to repent. Because that is not working for you and you know it. 
That's why they live a life of condemnation. And it's the longer they stay, you ever heard old saints say that? The longer you stay away from church, the harder it is to go back. You get so far out into the wilderness, then all you got to look forward to is some condemnation because you know you're doing wrong. So where did he take? (laughs) He bore that and carried it. Where did it go? I don't know where he took it. But I know it doesn't exist anymore for us. See, not having an answer is a better answer than guessing sometimes. (laughs) If he carried it, we got to believe he carried it away. He took your sin away. He took your sickness away. He took, but what's wrong with me? I got so and so. You ain't got that. (gasps) What do you mean? You got some fake stuff. And the devil is trying to make you think you sick. He trying to make you think. You mean this is my imagination? No, I'm not going to say that. Because you can go get tests. You get the same kind of tests as if you had something. You get the same kind of, but it's that you don't have that that he took away. That's why I tell people, you just got symptoms that are lying to you. Because the word of God is true. I'd rather believe God I didn't believe my experience and believe man and try to say, I got disease, but I don't got disease. You either got it or you don't. I don't have it. It don't have me. I don't have it. It ain't coming to me. I ain't getting it. It ain't getting me. You understand what I'm saying? None of these diseases. When God said it, he meant it. Israel walked in divine health for off and on for many, many centuries. You find them when they get into a place of of repentance where the whole nation would repent and come back to God. They would make sacrifices and offerings. When Solomon dedicated the temple, it was like 40,000 oxen and all that kind of stuff. Why do you think they were doing that? It was to atone for the sins of the people. And they sent portions of the sacrifice to everybody. It's repeating the Passover again. That's how they got healthy. Do you know when those people had that communion meal, that Passover meal, that's what made everybody healthy? They had to have something that they could, could, could enact a faith that God did with them to take all sickness away from everybody. There was not one feeble person among them. What did they have to do? Just obey and eat the Passover. That's why we have communion now. Except people have perverted it. You know, give it every first Sunday. Why? You mean you're giving communion? You still got sick people there? 
Hey, y'all can turn me off on, on the internet. I don't care. You're either going to believe the word or you're not going to believe the word. Well, if I'm taking medication, what am I taking it for? You're not taking it for disease. Taking it for symptoms. And if you keep working on them symptoms with the word and with your faith, they're going to leave too. You're not, you're not doing this indefinitely. You either got to believe what God says about you or you believe what the world says. You believe the invisible spiritual realm over what you see here in the natural. I've known people that go to the doctor with symptoms and doctors say, well, you know, you do have this, you have that, you have that. But we don't know, we can't call it anything. But you don't have any of the things we thought you had. That's just God bringing his word to pass. None of the diseases. Here are people go and they say, well, I think you got this and I think you got that. And I, and they can never hang a diagnosis because God's made them not tell you. And he's giving you a hint, like get up and go home and get in your word now. You're going to be the worked up on something. You understand what I'm saying? And Christians do that too. They insist somebody find something. You ever seen people like that? I know something wrong with me. I insist you find, I'm I'm not going home until you tell me what this is. That's when you need to check yourself in somewhere. You need to shut the TV off. You need to shut everything off. Just crawl up in your Bible and don't come out until you are convinced that the word is true. He says, surely, without a doubt, I'm swearing my life on you, on this. I'm telling you the truth. There's no doubt about this. I'm not lying to you. There's no exceptions to the rule. That's what surely means. Surely, he took them already. Where did he take them to? To a place you can't find, your doctor can't find, your WebMD can't find it either, and all your snooping stuff. So as far as you're concerned, it doesn't exist anymore. Well, I know, I see, I didn't pray before now, and I didn't got rid of a headache. Well, this is smooth on up, Wheezy. You getting the upgrade, amen? You can upgrade your faith from headache to something else. Whatever is another symptom. See, if you understand this, that your covenant with God is stronger than any, it's stronger than anything you think might be responsible for you having disease again. Our people say, well, it says obey God and do what's right. I know I don't do it all the time. Well, we got a remedy for that. We got the blood. Huh? The blood will fix it. And the blood will fix it so good to keep you from doing it again. Huh? God took that into consideration when he said this. He knew somebody would creep up with some doubt. 
Well, what if I don't keep all the laws and do everything? Well, you repent. You tell God you're sorry. Ask him to forgive you. And remove remove sickness away from the midst of you. He took all past, present, future diseases. He said none of the diseases that your sinner friends come up with. You're different. The blood makes all the difference in the world. Blood makes all the difference. I remember ministering this scripture to somebody a long time ago. See, I ministered to people before I find out people faint when you tell them that. But see, if you minister it to people under the anointing, they receive it. And so the Lord told me, he said, tell her I'm not putting disease on her. She had gotten some symptoms. She was, they thought it was MS. And then she'd go back and they'd say, well, we don't think it's MS because you don't have this, this, and this. And But but you'll go and get it. You know, they always promise her sickness in the future. You ever, I mean, when you think about it as a believer, why would you keep going they're promising you if you keep coming back, we're going to find something. It's like, you know, if you go to court, you know, and you're scared they're going to find all your traffic tickets. And they put you in the computer and they don't find anything. Are you going to stand around and make them keep looking to them? That's what I thought. But see, people get that way about sickness because they're so afraid of it. But see, if God allows you to get a no diagnosis, then he's going to take care of you the rest of the way. So instead of running back to the doctor and making them find something for you, fear will make you act real crazy sometimes, folks. You need to skedaddle home. And say, Jesus, I thank you. They didn't find nothing. What do, what do I do to get rid of these symptoms? Now, I want no evidence of no kind of sickness. And what do I do to get rid of this? Huh? I didn't escape the... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you know. Sometimes it ain't pretty. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes you just get out by the skin of your teeth. You know, you get raggedy. I was running around there. I, I knew I knew my blood pressure was probably high because I snuck around and taken it a couple of times. But I'm sitting up in the de- dentist chair just to, you know, okay, work on me. Here I am. Perfect health. A perfect specimen. Huh? And they'd bust you, you know, you're just up there and I try to hold my breath and get it down. I said, God, come on and help me. I said, oh, and I just wanted to get my work done and get out of there. You understand what I'm saying? First things first. So I'm in the chair already. I said, God, you gotta do a miracle for me. Now I know I'm, forgive me, God. I know I'm wrong. I know they told me this the last time. I said, I was gonna take care of it. 
so the little dentist guy says, oh, this was over at the dental school. You know what I'm saying? So students. And uh, the guy said, he went and told his supervisor. And while they went behind my back, I said, God, please, thank you, Jesus. And the doctor said, well, actually, it's really too high for us to do. He said, but go ahead and do this and, and tell her to take care of it with her physician, which I didn't have. I've been a doctor in 20 years. You know what I'm saying? So so now you got to turn yourself in. Got to be a good girl. All of that. But I'm telling you, the mercy of God will get you past the diagnosis, will get you out of the trouble. I finally realized he wasn't going to let me die in the dentist chair. You understand what I'm saying? Because I'm already having an appointment much later for a much nicer place. (laughs) You know, that just ain't, that's just tacky. You understand what I'm saying? So anyway, you know, nails hardly done. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying. It's just none of these diseases. Amen. I don't have it now. I got symptoms of fighting. And I'm still fighting them. I don't care how long it takes you to fight them. You fight them. You got me? Praise God. Amen. So, so Matthew 8, if you'll turn there, you, it's the same as Isaiah 53. Matthew 8. Oh, yeah, I was sharing the testimony about the young woman. I think, how long did Debbie live with that halfway diagnosis? Had to be over 15 years. Yeah. And she was a young woman when they were trying to hang that diagnosis on her. But I know she lived 15 years just on believing. Just that one word ministered to her many years ago. Amen. Now you get weak on it and you walk away from God. I think that was her biggest, biggest problem was not being diligent doing this, Exodus 15. As long as she was doing that, you know, pleasing to God in that way, she stayed disease-free. They never put a diagnosis on her. Uh, Mark 8, like I said, Matthew 8. Is that Matthew? Hey, Matthew. Matthew 8 and verse... Fourteen says, when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled. Many of the things that we receive from God are fulfillment of prophecy. End of discussion. It doesn't talk about him remarking about how great somebody's faith is. Peter's mother-in-law doesn't look like she asked. We're not sure. He just had permission. You got me? To lay hands on her. There are so many ways God can heal us. 
the only way you can sum it up is that he's keeping his covenant word. It might be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. We just read it saying himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Amen. He himself did that. He took that himself. Amen. Whether he took it in ministering to the sick by the laying on of hands or he took it on the cross and we believe in the atonement, he himself took all sickness and all disease. Which means Jesus is the only healer ever known. He's not a healer. He's the only healer. He himself took our sicknesses and wore our sorrows. Now people will tell, well, the devil can heal. You ever seen him heal anybody? I haven't. He don't have no healing to give anybody. Just like the, the old timers will say, God don't have no sickness to give us, then Satan don't have no healing to give anybody either. Healing's too kind. Why would he heal you when he can make you sick all day long? That ain't even in his vocabulary. Now, he can do lying signs and wonders. He's a magician. Amen. He's the same devil that worked when uh, Moses confronted the uh, Egyptians, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's enchanters and his wise men, whoever they were. So he's... <coughs> Excuse me. He's a master, master of deception. So he's there to deceive. He's not there to do anybody any good. But Jesus on the tree himself took our sicknesses, carried our burdens, carried our sorrows, carried the things that would make us grieved, carried the things that would make us upset. He took all of those so that we can't get them back anymore amen that goes for anything that's wrong in your life the devil will put false things on us in a minute you ever been at a funeral and see somebody cutting up acting up and throw themselves in a casket with somebody and it's always the one that never paid any attention to mama when they were and see that false grief and hysteria comes on them just it's totally from the pit of hell we gotta leave that fake stuff alone folks huh seriously we gotta leave that fake stuff alone it'll have you all upset and carrying on and crying act like nobody can make you stop crying and all this kind of nonsense <laughs> grandma come and blow in your face like she used to when you was a baby having them fits there's a devil in it's a devil now Huh? It's the truth. Brother Hagen says that he was, he and his family members were at the deathbed of one of their, you know, matriarch and somebody else, you know, somebody's grandma, everybody loved her. There was a lot of family members, children, grandchildren, everything in the room when she passed away. And he said that everybody had said their goodbyes to him. She told him, now listen, I'm going home to be with I'm going to tell y'all when I'm going, and I'm going. So everybody don't be sitting up here whining and carrying on, talking about mama this, mama. I'm going to, I'm tired of all this down here. I'm going to my reward. She was a devout, devout Christian. 
And Brother Hagen said everybody was fine, and he said he noticed that as they, as she was going, or she was leaving after she had left, he said he noticed a spirit of grief try to creep in on that crowd who had already said goodbye. Amen. And so once that spirit came in, he started to prophesy to it. He said, grave, where is your victory? Huh? Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Thank you, Father. We are not those who, who uh, mourn as though we have no hope. Amen. And he said that thing turned around and left right back out of there. Same way it came. And everybody rejoiced at Grandma's leaving, went home, you know, and were normal people at her leaving. Amen. So you can rejoice. I have nothing against people when, you know, I cried when my husband died. You know, we, we do that. But it only goes on for so long. You know, you, you just don't, you're not, and you're not overcome. You're not passing out, and carrying on and acting goofy. You don't have to do all of that. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you gotta grab yourself and understand what God has given you. And you let the Holy Spirit minister to you. You know, he ministers to our souls. Amen. So Jesus took our sicknesses, our sins, all in one operation. The Bible says he's, his soul was made an offering for our sin. Which is how you can have a sound mind and you can have peace of mind. Because his soul was made an offering for sin. Which when you think about it, if your soul is redeemed now and it doesn't have to carry the weight of sin around anymore, that's really what that means. That means that you don't have to get nervous and worried when the devil, when the doctors give you a bad report. Because his soul was made an offering for your sin. So you can take on the mind of Christ and refuse that and walk off in peace. Because he, his, he, his soul was made an offering for your sin. That's, I mean, that's really where you carry sin is in your soul, in your mind. Your conscience feels bad. You, you, you think about it all the time. You wish you hadn't done it. All that kind of stuff. You don't have to live like that anymore. His soul took all of that on for you. When you feel bad and condemned, did nobody do that? You don't blame somebody for doing that to you. You know, I hear people say, well, you make me feel like, no, that's coming from you. You, you're, he made his soul an offering for whatever it is that's going through your little crazy mind that's making you think somebody's putting something on you or somebody's not being nice to you and it's not right and all this kind of stuff. Quit it. Yeah, you're not supposed to carry that around. And yeah, he took it, but the way you get rid of it is through forgiveness. Just forgive people. Quit blaming people. For things you do to yourself. Huh? It's true. You know, people live a half life because of one thing that happened to them years ago and they're supposed to be saved. 
know, his soul was made an offering for your sin. You don't have to carry that around. He said, God, I forgive these people. Lord knows I done done enough rotten stuff of my own. Sending hate letters and death threats and all that stuff. You're a Christian. Huh? <laughs> Threatening people. Oh, you wait till I get out of here. I don't show gonna tell. People be sitting up in church. You know, the church is crowded. They got to step over 15 people. See, if people would had any sense, they'd scoot down and let you sit in that seat on the end. But nah, this my seat. I'm a, ain't nobody gonna run me out of here. You, you know how people get. And somebody step on you by accident trying to walk across you. Then you waiting to get outside so you can tell them off. Push them off you real hard. What you sitting up in church for if you're going to be mean as a rattlesnake after you get out of there? <coughs> His soul was made an offering for your sin. Well, I didn't do nothing wrong. No, you carrying it in your soul. That's the wrong thing. You're not supposed to carry that stuff. Keep a short memory, folks. Keep a very short memory. And be thankful that you can live like it never happened. Huh? His soul was made a ransom for our sin. The blood paid for it. But he was, what, what was laid on him, the Bible says, is the iniquity of us all. So, you're cussing, you're fornicating, you're backbiting, you're cheating on your taxes, lying to the government, huh? All of that was laid on him. Huh? It's true. It was made an offering so you don't have to live like that anymore. The fact that the, the, in the Old Testament it had to be done yearly meant that even if people would sin in, in the year in between, they would still have to bring another sacrifice. You know, it's like, it, it, <laughs> for lack of a better term, I, for accounting, at the end of the year, everybody got a clean bill of health. You know, you might have been sloppy during the year. You know, you did something wrong. You stole your neighbor's cow or something and you didn't give it to him and you didn't make an, an offering. You didn't try to make it good and all that kind of use. Well, at the end of the year, if I can just hold out to the Day of Atonement, I'll get that taken care of too. So God didn't even let them go year after year after year after year with the burden of sin on their souls. Why do we? Huh? Why do we? See, we can get ours done minute by minute by minute. You can live so free in your soul in the absence of burdens, the absence of sin, the absence of did, you know, somebody done somebody wrong song. Huh? We're to live free from that. Your soul is not constructed to walk around with guilt, fear, condemnation on it, sensitivity, 
thinking somebody's pointing a finger at you and they're not pointing a finger at you. We're not supposed to live in suspicion. We're supposed to live free. People can't hurt you. People can't do anything to you. devil uses that to bait people into living a fearful life into doing what he wants them to do you know politicians do that to people they find their little select groups of people and tell them the other party hates them and and we like you but they got you under control they never do anything for you you understand what i'm saying but they got you hopping and jumping to their tune. Why? Out of fear. All they do is keep labeling you, pigeonholing you, putting you in a category, and telling you it's the other guy that don't like you. Well, if you like me so much, why don't you do something for me? Do what I sent you, what I voted for you to do. Huh? And the devil's a master politician. He knows how to keep us hooked up, tied up, fearful, Jesus even freed us from the habits we don't want to get rid of. And we know they wrong. Huh? He does. He can get us free from them if we want to be free. Huh? I don't care what it is. So under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats could not pay for sin. It couldn't atone for it. It just covered it temporarily. The reason for that, God didn't want it to happen like that. He wanted them to be frustrated and understand there's got to be a better way than this. It's got to be a better way for them to be able to seek for the Messiah to come and totally deliver them from sin and the power of it and the penalty for it. No longer is this. So Jesus becomes our scapegoat. He's the one that takes the blame. He takes the blame. And he takes the shame. In fact, he took it already. Carried all of our sins away, all of our sickness with it. If you can believe for salvation, you can believe for divine health. Amen. It's all a package deal. And you can believe for divine prosperity. I don't know why people sit up and write books on financial prosperity and won't write books on healing. Because it's a package deal. And I'm going to tell you something. You try to get God hooked up in some nonsense like that, you're going to be very disappointed. You think you can pick and choose what you believe in the Bible? You think God's stupid after he, he holds the world up with the word of his power? If he sneezed wrong, everything would end. He never sneezes wrong. He's perfect in all of his ways. But you really think he's going to let you work the work the the finances area of his covenant and not work anything else? Now he's going to teach you what to do with money before he gives you much of it. Huh?
you know, you might as well go to an Amway meeting as some of the stuff that, that we're told in churches. Huh? Because at least they tell you you got to work for it. Church people tell you all got to do is give to them. God wants us to prosper and be in health, both of them. And prosper really doesn't have much to do with money. It has to do with what you set your hands to. It has to do with the fact that if you work, you'll get paid. And you won't get cheated. If you plant a crop, it'll grow. And it won't fail. You understand what I'm saying? That's prosperity. That's what he told Adam and Eve be fruitful, prosper, increase, bless everything. You gotta be a person that understands what blessing is. That to be blessed means to have benefits in every area of your life. Cause you have no clue what you need. If your emphasis in life has not changed since you've been saved, something's wrong somewhere. God God should change what's important to you once you're saved. You see, people struggle financially before they get saved. After they save, same struggle. So we really have all of our teaching on finances and financial prosperity and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just to warn everybody out, warn everybody into the ground. And we still don't have no whole churches full of millionaire people. In fact, the people that had money is gone. They don't even go to church no more. Oh! Yeah, because they emptying out. Huh? Which is a good sign because the Bible says that the Son of Man will not return until the great falling away happens first. So we might be in the middle of that. Where God is weeding out people to only those who really want him and love him will remain serving him. You got me? So don't go around thinking somebody running people out of the church. Come on now. You just make sure you get here. (laughs) You ain't in the fall away bunch. Amen. You see people escaping to Facebook trying to get a prayer group together. Why? Because they won't let them pray in their church. Huh? If a lot of those people could get somebody to to encourage their ministry in them, they'd be doing it in the church. That's always been a, a, a problem for church people. They exclude more than they include. You know, you get in some churches, you want to sweep the floor or help out any kind of way. Well, you got to go through new beginners class. We don't even have nothing like that. We don't care if you knew oh, whatever. You got two hands and you put a broom in there. Can you sweep? Huh? You're a minister. Hey, that's where we all start. Minister of the broom, minister of the kitchen, minister of something. Huh? But God is looking for people who will believe him, folks. That's all I'm trying to get across to you. What's written in this word has to be more meaningful to us than what we see in the natural, 
what our bodies tell us, what it's got to mean more. Because it comes out of an unfailing covenant. This covenant cannot be broken. You understand what I'm saying? It's sealed in blood. God has already given the life of his son against whatever. He's already paid the penalty off for breaking the covenant before we even get involved in it. Man-to-man covenants, you might swear on your life, but you don't give your life in advance. God's the only one that's done that. So his covenant is 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 ratified and ensured. The penalty for breaking it has already been paid. You know how some people say, well, you know, we, we put a clause in this contract. If you break the cup contract, you have to pay this number of thousands of dollars to the other person because you broke it. You only pay when you break it. God's the only one who's paid in advance and never is going to break it. You understand what I'm saying? You got a double guarantee on everything that God promises you in his word. He can't break it because the penalty for breaking it's been paid already. So we're not at any risk. We're not at any loss. God's never going to go back on his word. As long as it's believed, he'll honor it. He doesn't look at who you are, believe in it. He don't look at what you used to do and all your used to sins and your used to life. And I don't care if your used to was this morning before you left the house. He don't look at that if you if you repent. It's unbreakable. Because the penalty's been paid up front. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you. Carry them away. They don't exist anymore. And I thank you, Father, that the enemy is a liar and he's trying to put symptoms on your people. He's trying to put symptoms on people in the word. And right now we speak the symptoms of disease. We command you to flee in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Your word says none of the diseases that you brought upon the Egyptians will be put on your people. You are the Lord that healed. We get healing only. We get healing only. We get healing only. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. 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 Well, we're all done.